Welcome to the Startup of the Year podcast, where each episode we showcase exciting new companies from around the world. This podcast is produced by Established, creators of the Startup of the Year program. Established is focused on helping organizations with their innovation, startup, and communication strategies. Hello, everybody. It's Frank Gruber, and we're back with the Startup of the Year podcast. On this episode, we'll be hearing interviews from a couple of different startups that were part of our Startup of the Year program. Both did very well at our Startup of the Year Summit in 2019. Uh, we've got Immertech, which is based out of Tampa Bay. They were our runner-up in the Startup of the Year Summit down in Memphis. And then we've got Second Keys, which is based actually in Memphis, and they got uh, third place this past year. And uh, we got both of them on the podcast today. So super exciting to hear from some founders sharing their stories. And we actually brought along a couple of extra folks that actually referred them to us to be a part of our program. So uh, we'll be hearing from a lot of different voices today as they share their stories and, and a little bit more about what they're up to. Before we get started, though, let's hear from Rich Malloy from our team, the established team. Uh, he's got something to say about Silicon Valley Bank, who is a partner of ours and sponsor of the podcast. So Rich, let's hear a little bit about Silicon Valley Bank. Absolutely. So today's episode of the Startup of the Year podcast is brought to you by Silicon Valley Bank. And you know the, the team at Established, we've been building startup communities for 13 years. And Silicon Valley Bank consistently shows up, adds value, supports startups, and supports their clients. They're more than just bankers. You know, they're mentors, they're advisors, they're super connectors. And we love having the SVB team at our events because they bring a depth of knowledge about startup markets that just doesn't exist from most service providers. And they always treat their founders with respect. And so if you're not banking with Silicon Valley, if you're using, say, a, a traditional retail bank like the one on the corner, there's nothing wrong with those banks. But if you're using that, a traditional retail bank, and you plan to raise venture capital, you need to bank with SVB. Your retail banker might not even know what the heck venture capital is, but SVB team does this day in and day out. This is their specialty. They've worked, they've been through the fundraising process with thousands of startups, and they have additional resources to see you through the process and help you succeed. We love SVB, and we're grateful that they're that they're supporting the uh, the Startup of the Year podcast. And so, visit svb.com/next. To learn more, that's svb.com slash next. So Silicon Valley Bank, Ideas Bank here. Thanks so much, Rich. And thank you, SVB. We appreciate your support in the podcast. Now we're going to dive into our first interview, Immertech, which is a startup out of Tampa Bay who's taking a new approach to surgical training that transports surgeons into the surgical site for real-time training in a virtual reality environment. We're going to hear from the co-founder and CEO of Immertech, Eric Maltese, as well as the cohort director at Tampa Bay Wave, Richard Manassi, who referred us to Immertech. So let's listen in. And, and we are a software company, a communications platform uh, where we focus um, in medical device training. So we allow medical device companies to decrease their sales cycle and uh, essentially increase sales and, and decrease their expenses at the same time by making life easier for their busy physician customers. Instead of asking them to give up two days of uh, potential earning family time in private practice, they can ask them to consider receiving a, a VR headset in the mail and to put, put it on at the time of the surgery and remote into an operating room and observe the surgery as if they were present, ask questions, listen to commentary all, all in real time. How did you get the name Emertech? And and actually, that dives right into the question of like some examples of you, you talk you talked on stage in in Memphis about some examples of of this in 
being used real time. First off, Emertech, that's kind of an obscure name. Wanted to understand where that came from and 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 the why behind it. Okay, yeah. So the name is is built around. So immersive. Our company is immersive tech. So it's really the combination of those two words: immersive immersion and, and technology together. Yep. Um, and it's it's a lot of people when they think about virtual reality, they think about the aspect of uh, being in 3D, which is really important aspect of it, or in 2D. But it's really the the key part is immersion because when you when you immerse yourself into something into another environment, it, it allows you to choose what you see and to um, to uh, be present, which is very difficult. Uh-oh. And many times, how many times have you been on your your cell yep, phone and and you know you're looking at one thing and then someone comes in and all of a sudden you know you're you're you know you're not focused on that person now you're focused on your phone. But when you're in virtual reality, you're kind of forced to be present. So that's a really key aspect in our technology. There, and I think in this whole space, it's one of the best things that comes from virtual reality. And so we named our company after that aspect. That makes sense. All right, and so really being immersed in into a situation is kind of what it's all about sounds like so give us an example of where um the technology has been used to kind of help um in one case i think you mentioned it helped somebody save a life um it's a pretty good example that you shared so maybe you want to share a little bit more about that with our listeners yeah so um in privacy and in, in when we were in when during my presentation i i i, I told this story and i used some names i'm not going to do that in this case so um, um, but I will share the story because I think it's really compelling. It's just those, for the privacy of the other people. Um, I'll keep it uh, de-identified. <laughs> um, so recently there was a surgery that was happening in, in, in Texas and it was a cochlear implant uh, that it was done by one physician uh, who began to have complications in the operating room. I'd never seen this. And he called me over and, to, and I'm thinking, you're calling the wrong person. I'm not a physician. This is, why is he calling me? And the reason why he called me is because he said, hey, could you get another doctor that um, I had previously flown out and, give a, and given a, a VR set, a headset to hold on to uh, because he's well-respected in the community and can seen as a key opinion leader so that in this space. And I said, well, I could give him a call, but I don't know if he's going to be available or what I'm going to be, whether I'll be able to do it, but I'll, I'll go for it. So I gave him a call and I said, sir, um, we have, um, the, a doctor that wants you to come in and, and see something on the, or do you have the VR headset on you? And he says, I have the VR headset on me. However, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be away for the next four. I'm going to be with my wife in the car for 45 minutes and I won't be able to do it until I get to the, um, to back to the university to, in order to, to log on. I said, well, sir, are you, um, are you, are you, uh, are you driving or are you in a passenger seat? And he tells me uh, that he's like, he, I, he tells me he's in a passenger seat. I said, great. Could you um, grab your headset? And then I walked him through the processes of connecting the, the headset, VR headset to his phone through the Wi-Fi. And then from that moment, he, he was able to, while driving through busy traffic in, 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 in a, one of the biggest cities in this country, he, he was able to remote into an operating room to observe the this uh, training and actually give real-time feedback and save this person's life and that was um, could have been potentially fatal for them uh, because of the type of surgery that they were having and that was an extraordinary moment for us especially as a startup where you know we've been in clinical use for less than a year and to see that like there's no doubt in our mind that we were able to help save someone's life it's not that that wasn't necessarily our business model but it was the way that that physician at that moment, while he was being, while he was training someone, he felt that was the most effective, that was the best way to solve that problem, right? Was to get access to, to a, a key opinion leader, 
right? Pretty powerful stuff. Yes. Are there any other companies doing this, or if so, what what makes your company different? Yeah, that's a great question. So there are there's definitely companies that are in virtual reality going after the healthcare space. There's only one of them that's um, going directly after medical device training. But there's one thing that is a huge differentiator between what we do and what the, these co- all these companies have in common is that um, virtual reality was built as for video games in, um, originally, and so uh, most so it's it's created on the concept of simulations, right? So you create a simulation that someone can uh, train in after it's built over a year with a bunch of engineers, kind of like a video game or like a movie, right? The problem with video games and movies is that, you know, for a good video game to happen, it takes a huge budget and, and years to produce, right? Uh, we, we saw that early on when we started to investigate to see what type of things that other companies were building. Uh, and then the th- same thing with the movie. You have to have a storyboard and a planning and a scripting, and then you go out and you do production, and then there's post-production, and then editing, and et cetera. And it's, it takes a little bit less than what, what it takes to make a video game, but it's still what we felt unacceptable. And then it got, and then we started to say, to research, well, what does the research say about learning? And we saw that the golden standard for physician training was mentorship from an expert to uh, an apprentice. And then that was simply because of, uh, there's a risk, a lot of risk involved in learning a new procedure or adopting a new device. So that really resonated with me, myself, being a veteran. I, I, I was in the Marine Corps for five years, I, and I trained constantly, repetitively, um, simulating as much stress as possible so that while 37 minutes in Iraq that I was going to perform uh, under under that pressure, right? Because my, my, my whole entire tenure in the Marine Corps was measured in 37 minutes, right? Wow. So similar to a Marine in combat, right, physicians are measured in in – with someone's life's in their hands, right? And so they want to simulate that experience of, of being in an operating room, performing a surgery, and ask questions, like like specific questions that they have that may be different than what, than what someone else has before they're going to adopt a, a device or a procedure. So we built, we spent five years building out all the intellectual property that um, it would take in order to, to make it so that there was no post-production, there was no um, uh, no production at all, that it was a simple pro- a product where in an operating room, you lift a camera to eyeball level, set it, forget it, and then from there, the physician presses one button on a pad and they're able to create a stream and which allows a physician who in advance schedules a training at their convenience to get a notification on their cell phone that says, hey, um, the surgeon just went into the operating room in 10 minutes, your surgery will start. They get a four digit HIPAA compliant code to use when donning their headset. From that moment, they're, they're as if they were there, but they didn't have to give up two days of family time or potential earnings or private practice. They, they were able to be present, simulate the, the, the experience in real time. Great, no, that makes sense. Um, so yeah, so I think uh, just a few more questions here, and then we're going to ri- kick over to one of your um, some of you, you work closely with. Um, so yeah, so tell us a little bit more about um, where you see this company going in the next five years. I know you're at the cutting edge right now of this immersive technology. Where do you see it, see it wanting to go? And maybe a quick quick one on that, and then kind of jump into your thoughts on Memphis in general and what just happened with our summit. Awesome. So. Uh, where I see us going right now, we're hyper focused on kind of building out the foundation. We just um, uh, closed our, our Series A 
really exciting, bringing in the right people, solidifying our culture. And then we are now hyper-focused on publishing because uh, you could build a technology that's going to help people. But if you don't, if you're not measuring um, this success um, in, in statistically significant ways, then you're not really adding to the conversation and, and changing anything. And so that's our, our, our main focus. And then, and then we're going to be, we're very strategic and only looking to take on uh, um, specific customers in, in solving this problem. Um, it, we're, 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 we feel that it's, um, it's a long play in this space. So it's like publishing around the efficacy and then partnering with the right people who, who um, care about uh, changing the way that physicians and, and, and helping um, physicians that are suffering from physician fatigue and other problems that are just plaguing this. Uh, healthcare is a problem globally. Five billion people on the planet don't have access to safe and affordable surgery. 60% of Americans don't have access to trauma level one and two. And um, that's not a problem that's going to get solved in one or two uh, years. And so you're kind of playing that. And then the second um, part of that is that we're building out a physician advisory board with um, physicians from 10 of the top 30 uh, um, research institutions in the world with um, basically with the intentions of, of allowing them to remote their access to, to people in this anywhere in this country regionally and eventually the world wow the future of medical technology and and uh, surgery really um yeah. is is remote and immersive pretty amazing thank you so much for sharing that and great job with the start of the year and everything you're doing how much did you raise just real quick uh, you just uh raised six, your... six million six million great congratulations that's that's awesome uh sounds like you're off to the races i wanted to bring on uh so the the person that's responsible for referring you to our startup of the year program richard manasi he's the um he's actually also the uh cohort director at tampa bay wave in tampa bay florida uh richard you there I sure am. Thanks so much, Frank, for having me. It's great to uh, catch up and sit down uh, outside of the hustle and bustle of Memphis and you yeah. know the crowds and the crying babies in the crowd. Yeah, totally. Um, so thanks for joining us and thanks for referring uh, Emertech. You, you, tell us a little bit more about how you heard about the company, how you started working with the company and, um, and kind of what, what you've seen in it as you've, you've watched it grow. Sure, I'd be more than happy to. So I actually met Eric um, through a mutual contact here in the Tampa area, and we sat down and what was supposed to just be a 30-minute meeting ended up going about two hours. I really dug in with him. Uh, my background, I'm an MD, MBA, a physician. Uh, I've been in the tech space for about 10 years, uh, primarily out of Los Angeles and Houston. Moved here to Tampa just a few years ago. I love the city, decided I wanted to kind of settle here for a few years. Uh, got involved with the local tech community, including the Tampa Bay Wave, where I'm a director. And through that, I met Eric and, you know, we sat down for about two hours. I dug in on the technology. Um, I had been looking for simulation training options uh, for, you know, some of the local community healthcare organizations and universities. So the timing was absolutely perfect. And once Eric kind of told me about their vision for the company, what they really thought I could do, I really wanted to learn as much as I could. And, you know, within two hours, he, I got to say, he's a great salesman. He sold me on the idea. Um, I, I kind of pushed him to apply and told him that, you know, if you want to get involved in the community, we'd love to help you out on a, from a wave perspective. Uh, he applied, he presented to our a selection committee and uh, two you know, days later, yeah, two days later, <laughs> presented to our selection committee two nice. days later, and it was off to the races from there. Great. And so now that they're you know part of the wave, tell us a little bit more about how you guys are engaging with with them and and kind of what that looks like. Sure. So uh, with all of our wave companies, what we really try to do is we try to provide as much value as possible 
in multiple ways, whether that's introductions to investors, um, to everything from HR companies to accounting firms to law firms. Um, our mentor network is very robust. For the companies that come through our cohorts, which we do two to three a year, and we typically do eight to 12 companies per cohort, the companies that get in get a significant amount of value. And one of the great things about Wave is that we do not take any equity in the startups that come through our program. We're founded by founders. So we are a nonprofit that is fully funded by local government, by federal government, by large corporates, and then by uh, our investor network. So it's a big value add that we tried to provide. Um, and then during the course of the cohort, um, I'll sit down with each company one-on-one. -on -one. We'll uh, kind of have a game plan on how we want to tackle the 100-day cohort. And then we get them in front of every stakeholder that we can, everyone uh, that we spoke about earlier, outside people, including customers. And our goal is to shore up the company's internal um, issues while introducing them to the community and allowing them to have a soft landing spot to engage the Tampa region and open up business. That sounds awesome. So next steps then, you know, what do you see as far as the next steps for milestones for Emertech as they continue to, to move forward? I, I would not be surprised if we saw Emertech published in multiple well-regarded peer-reviewed journals over the next 12 to 18 months, land multiple SBIRs with the federal government and also potentially with the Department of Defense. I think that they're going to further grow their business within the medical device sector. I think that the medical device sector as a whole is ready for this technology. Physicians are ready for this technology and it's kind of a win-win. So from a timing perspective, I always say the most critical aspect for the success of any startup is timing more than anything. If it's the right time, people will allow you to fumble your way through a solution. They'll give you the investment that you need. If the market demands it, people will find a way to get it done. Those issues were not apparent with Immertech. They were ready to rock and roll from day one. And I think that uh, we're going to see a huge growth here from them very, very rapidly. And honestly, if I have to be completely candid, I would not be surprised if we saw a sizable exit from them before their next major raise. There you go. You heard it here first. That's why we brought you guys on. So thanks so much, Richard. And thanks so much, Eric. I really appreciate you guys taking the time. Sounds like the future is bright in, in this particular sector in Tampa. It's a sunny place too. And uh, thank you guys for joining us today. Yeah, thank you for having me. This is really awesome. And thank you for the nice words, Dr. Manasi. Uh, definitely, you've been a big help in, in getting to this point and the wave as well. Much appreciated. Thanks, Eric. And thanks, Frank and the team for your time. And, and you know, we're always looking for great startups out there and we're ready to help out any uh, that uh, that would like to reach out to Wave and anybody from established as well. I mean, you guys have been so great. Any startups that are listening that have not uh, gone to Startup of the Year and applied or that are thinking about it, please do it. I haven't seen any other conference and I'm at conferences throughout the year where there's investors, community leaders, they're just everybody there. All the stakeholders really care about the startups and really want to give back. So next year, hopefully we'll see you guys in Tampa. I don't know if it's been decided yet, but we'd love to have you over here and, and any startup, we'd love to, uh, to see you there as well. Yeah. Thank and you. I'll say that. I know that you were closing on it, but uh, I will say that to anybody who's considering whether in, in, in a startup, especially early stage, it's you, you, your success comes from saying no to things and not saying yes to things, um, or at least saying a lot more no's. And this is something we said yes to that was was a better experience. Not even about getting second place. That's great, um, but the, it's not about the accolade. I got so, we our organization got so many contacts 
from people that we've met there and just the energy of it and just it was just enjoyable event in general but just huge contacts which i think is going to make great inroads for us um finding we found physician um advisors that were there that were speaking with us press opportunities as well as um, connections to the va many things so i definitely it behooves of anyone who's doing a startup to to compete or to participate thank you guys okay we i guess well, I'll just hang up. You guys are doing great. <laughs> Thank you for all the for the for the kind words. I appreciate it, and that's exactly what we tried. We're trying to do with with that, um, our summit, and it sounds like it's working. So I appreciate the feedback as we don't always hear all the feedback. So thank you so much, guys. I really appreciate your time, and and uh, look forward to watching you guys continue to move forward. Thanks so much, Eric and Richard. Really great stuff. Thanks for joining the podcast. Next, we're going to dive into Second Keys, and we're going to interview the, the founders of Second Keys. They were the third place finisher this past year at our summit. The company helps streamline property management operations to retain residents, all while providing cash flow with the essential features needed to manage, organize, and track property management operations. We're going to hear from their co-founders. Uh, we've got Amber Hayes and Mars McLean, who are the co-founders of Second Keys, as well as Katie Milligan, who's from Starco, who was a partner in the Startup of the Year Summit down in Memphis, who referred the company to us. So let's listen in. So Second Keys is a property management software that simplifies the process of filing maintenance requests for rental properties and HOAs. Um, we have three main components, um, yeah. end-to-end ticket tracking, predictive analytics, and a contractor bidding network. Great. And you two founded the company together, is that right? Yes, we did. Just a little over 18 months ago. And how did you two meet? I was actually his TA for Java class, and I gave him the idea. And at first, he didn't really care for it. He said it needed a lot of work, but I was a bit persistent, and we made it through. Okay, so tell us a little bit more about the business and how it's been growing. Yeah, going. Um, so essentially, Second Keys is whole. Uh, our our whole stick is that we want to help the residential property industry live better, manage better, and work better. And we do that through the three components that Amber mentioned earlier, um, all to allow for, you know, the personas of a property, which include the renter, the property owner and contractors all to come to one place to get everything that they need, um, showing stats such as a 30 percent increase in ticket closure rates or a 23 percent increase in savings uh, when it comes to repair versus replace. Um, we're about a year and a half old company so about 18 months old company uh and we have about 1400 units on the platform right now uh throughout four states and um uh, we we started here with the start team. yeah no that's interesting um and so tell me a little bit more about are there other things like this in the market i mean it sounds it doesn't sound like anything i've ever heard about so can you share what your competitive landscape looks like there's actually a lot of different products like us in the market. However, it's very fragmented and all of our competitors have really been out since late 90s, early 2000s. It's rather stagnant as well. Yeah. Um, what really makes us different from everybody else is that we're a modular system. We hyper-focus on maintenance. We don't do everything in property management. Um, we just do maintenance very well. And the second thing is our data component. Um, we uh, use data to help predict uh, a lot of the issues when it comes to these properties, um, which is hard to find in any other uh, platform in the marketplace today. Interesting. Okay, so 
that sounds like you've you've found a competitive advantage to in a niche to kind of attack and go after. So I'm glad to hear that um, with such a a busy space. It sounds like so. Tell us a little bit more about your current status as far as um, you work with Starco. But what, you, how's your funding um, looking, and what what is that long term and short term goals uh, landscape look like? So we started off raising three hundred thousand. We actually raised two sixty already. So we're just looking for forty. Oh, wow. Anyone else that wants to put in more, we're opening up for a hundred. Um, long-term goals. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah just short-term and long-term. Where do you see this company going, like maybe in five years? That's a fun one. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, uh, second piece, we want second piece to kind of take on the same um, perspective as, I guess, what you would see with um, Salesforce or Slack or Microsoft. 